0: Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Warts and All, a podcast where we discuss everything we love about Star Wars, warts and all. My name is Ben, and joining me are my good friends Will. Hello. Bill. Hi. And Chris.
1: Is it frog? <laughs> speaking frog? Yeah. Oh. I, I do now. Oh, okay. Well done. Nice.
0: Crack open a suga and zip up your tauntauns because tonight we're talking about some of the creatures and races of Star Wars.
2: I can't
0: abide those Jawas, disgusting creatures. <laughs> I, I was thinking about beginning the podcast with a creature that most people know if they've seen Empire Strikes Back,
1: which is the Tauntaun. Yes, one of the most prolific, uh, well-known. I think is what I mean, uh, the Tauntaun.
0: Yeah, I would say, especially for that movie, they they definitely took center stage for that movie, next to maybe the Ugnot.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely Tauntaun or Ugnot. Yeah, Tauntaun's as far the other as. One. Um, you know, widespread knowledge. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like people would know Tauntauns by name. They're the uh, creatures that Empire Strikes Back on the ice planet Hoth. The ones that they ride—the kind of mounted bipedal. I, I feel like they're k- kangarooish. Is that? Would you guys agree that that's kind of like the best? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big strong hind legs and short, short front arms, kind of.
0: I'd say like a kind of
1: hop a little bit.
0: Kangaroo, ram, yeah, lizard.
1: Right, yeah, because they're apparently like mammal and lizard combined or something.
0: And um, even if you can't place one in your head about what they look like, you probably know what one sounds like. It's funny because the sounds for that are uh, stretched out and slowed down Asian sea otters.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing that. It's
0: funny to listen to them and then think about the the sound designers when they were creating it. They're like, "Oh yeah, that would be great for for a snow creature." Yeah, and then sure. they just, you know, yeah. oh, it must have been so much fun.
1: Yeah, you get you just kind of hear something natural that sounds kind of unnatural, and then just run with it. I'm sure it took a lot of more effort back then as opposed to
2: now. You can just boot up uh, you know, some sort of digital sound editing program, and just True. tweak with the speed and stuff. Yeah, and that's a good point. Then you have to do a tape and cut things and slow down the reels and all that. Do you
3: think they just brought in random sounds and asked George Lucas to listen, and then he'd be like, yep, that's a Tauntaun. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that one. Like, is that is that how... Like, is, is that like the otter? That's why I to use the honor I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just knew in his head. Like, <laughs> exactly.
1: uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it actually... <laughs> George Lucas, uh, you know, sitting down in an initial meeting, just made that sound out of nowhere. It's like it's a it's a waggle, 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 waggle. Use that.
0: And somebody <laughs> probably was listening to him, and being like, "Oh yeah, you know what? That sounds like an Asian sea otter. Let's go record one real quick."
2: Yes, I got your two plane tickets to Tokyo. Go check it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh- uh- but- I feel like, oh, I although they they only they're yeah. only native to Hoth, just that one planet. Um, like I said, I, I feel like they're still so prolific because probably because Empire Strikes Back is so beloved.
2: Every video game ever had a Hoth level. Yeah,
1: you always got to go to Hoth in the video games. There's plenty of comic books that take place in that time period in Hoth, and and you can't go to Hoth without at least seeing a Tauntaun. Right. Like it's it's like required. Tauntauns and ATATs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think I'm right about this, but I, I feel like in Battlefront, the the first remake of Battlefront from 2015, there was a hoth level, but tauntauns weren't rideable.
3: What were they thinking?
1: Yeah, you, yeah, it's a travesty. Like, and then in this in the sequel, they were. It's just like required for any hoth level in gaming.
0: And it, it's amazing to think about the legacy of tauntauns and how they basically went from being in one movie and then having a Easter egg cameo in. Um, I think there was a mounted head of one in Jabba's palace. Yeah,
1: and I feel like people didn't even notice that until it was released in HD on like home uh, release. Yeah, that could be. It's really hard to see. It's in the dark in the background.
0: And um, even at a Doc, uh, who's the
1: Doc Ondar's uh, doc, doc Ondar,
0: Ondar. Uh, the Den of Antiquities has a, a
1: stuffed
2: Tauntaun head. And that's at Galaxy's Edge, if, if you're not aware. Oh yeah, Disney World, yeah, yeah. Disney World. Yeah.
0: But like going from one movie to just having this legacy and it it's pretty cool to see that even though they had a brief part, yeah. they're still a part of the star Wars universe. Well, like, yeah.
1: It's cause empire strikes back is widely regarded as one of the best of the films. I think that's a huge part of it, but there's also like when we were like talking about these uh, to prep the show, I think Tauntauns are my favorite creatures. Like there's just something about them. They're like, they're kind of cute
2: and you wouldn't hesitate to slice it open if it <laughs> saved your friend.
3: <laughs> I am curious though, if they live on an ice planet where it gets very cold, why did the cold kill the one that Han was
0: riding? Well, I would think
2: everything has its limits.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was yeah, probably pushed to its limits. Um,
3: you know. Yeah, it was at, it was at night
1: yeah. and during a storm, I That's believe.
0: That's true. He's probably running
3: them ragged too to get him to right. Get him out there.
1: Yeah. There's actually, in a certain point of view, it's a, a series of short stories that all take place uh, uh, during Empire Strikes Back. There's a story that's actually from the perspective of that Tauntaun <laughs> that Han rides out to save Luke. <laughs> and it's, a, it's actually very tragic <laughs> because <that> she, <laughs> she's a, it's a female because Tauntauns are a matriarchal uh, whatever species, and um, she's worried about her daughter – who uh, Luke rode out earlier, mm. and we know what happened to that one—got eaten by a Wampa. Mm-hmm. Mm. So then Han heroically rides out on the the mother Tauntaun. It doesn't end very well for her either.
0: Oh, so so then maybe the storm didn't kill her. Maybe she had um, uh, Padme syndrome and she died of oh, a broken heart when she found, you know, <laughs> when they found everything. Luke without the other Tauntaun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> The cool thing about the Tauntauns is um, when Phil Tippett designed them, he used like a, a stop motion kind of animation for them, which was the first time a big budget movie used that kind of animation since 1933's King Kong.
2: You can't, you can't hear the sound I'm making right now, but I'm actually pushing my glasses up <laughs> to the bridge of my nose because I actually, uh, <laughs> it's called Go Motion not stop motion because this is the first he he pioneered it it's essentially the same thing except they bump the table as they're taking the picture to give a little bit of motion blur oh to make it seem more fluid and not so like herky-jerky interesting yeah interesting and then like i think ever since then it's been kind of like the industry standard oh well unless they want that you know um more sharp obvious stop motion look right
1: yeah that's a good way to put it sharp like sharp uh almost like janky movements
2: yeah uh, think like rudolph back in the day and all those yeah uh, classic
3: so basically they would use go motion if they didn't want to end up in uh mr science theater 3000 right, right <laughs> is what you saying
2: well actually the um they used traditional stop motion for the 8080s in the battle because they're mechanical and you know plotting and uh, stuff. Yeah, that no, makes, that makes sense. Like yeah. More organic was with the
1: with the go motion. <laughs> Neat.
0: They also used um, puppets too for the close up shots.
1: Right. And yeah, you could definitely tell. Yeah, because he's yeah, he's like right in there. Uh, Luke is right in there up close, right in the tauntaun. So
0: yeah, and they actually had gas tubes that were fed to the mouth so that they could pump steam, and it looked like you can see their breath. Right, yeah. So, I mean, they, they thought of everything.
3: Just for a creature that's in it for, right what, 20 minutes of the movie? Maybe not even? Yeah. Well, It's
1: got to be believable.
0: Well, that's actually yeah, no. a, a good it's point, impressive. too, is the Tauntauns were, were going to have a much larger role in Empire Strikes Back. They were going to have the um, medical droid, I can't remember its designation, the one that saves Luke. 2-1-B. And, yeah. There was going to be a larger role with that droid performing a necropsy on a bunch of slaughtered tauntauns that was going to reveal that there was wampas in the rebel base and that whole oh, scene it's was, that whole thing yeah and that whole scene was scrapped because they didn't they didn't know how to continue on with it so i, I thought that was pretty cool
1: yeah you could find deleted scenes of the of the wampas trapped behind a, a door with like a big warning label on it yeah because i mean, i know there's a, there was a scene where C-3PO was running by, and he ripped it off the door. And then the stormtroopers later come by, and they go in there, not knowing. Yeah, just yeah. see an arm grab them, pull them in.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, they did have a pretty big part in galactic history because without Tauntauns, Luke would have been dead.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to uh, to discuss how these seemingly insignificant, you know, beasts and and even the even the different you know species of the galaxy how they actually have an impact because I feel like that's almost like a big theme of Star Wars is like how the little guy, you know, the the insignificant things can have an impact on, on galactic events. Yeah. But well, I don't want to be that guy. If they didn't have Tauntauns,
2: they wouldn't have been that far out in the first place. And if they just waited one more night, they would have had the
1: the speeders ready to go. So. So you're willing, you're willing to, to just let Luke Skywalker die. Then,
2: well, no, he wouldn't have been out far enough to get caught by a wampa if he
1: didn't have a Tauntaun in the first place. Well, we could go one further and say they would have never even been able to create a base on Hoth without domesticating Tauntauns. Yeah. They would have just been stuck in caves. They and- would
2: have found a better planet and never been found in the first place. And then <laughs> none of this would have ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It's all at Tauntaun's fault.
1: They're out yeah. of time, I think, by that point. That's why they had to settle on Hoth. I think they probably picked Hoth just because
0: it was remote, right. and nobody was there. The Empire would never think to look there, and that's why they exactly. had to send those probe droids out to go and find them. But anyway.
1: What else can we say about Talentons? Is that about do it?
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean... Apparently they smell bad. Yeah, I think that hits pretty much all the notes on that.
1: Um, why don't we just move along to uh, another another creature... So when we say creature, we mean uh, non-sentient or basically non-speaking. So what, like anything that speaks a language, will refer to as like a species or race. Um, whereas these are kind of just the, the beasts.
0: Well, would you consider something like um, Borg Gullet a creature? Because technically it doesn't speak, but it could read minds and then kind of like translate that to people. <laughs> Borgullet can feel your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how you get the information from Borgullet after he right. reads someone's mind. You know what I mean? But
3: maybe it, maybe it's also telepathic.
1: I, I feel like there is yeah there, there's there is some way to like create a readout of, of what a bore or Borgullet is seeing. But we should probably define what this thing is. All right. is famously seen in Rogue One. Um, For all of two seconds. Yeah. In exactly one scene. But he gets his name mentioned a whole bunch of times. Don't ask. I've retired my Saw Gerrera impression. <laughs> 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 and the only other appearance I'm aware of is in the uh, Dr. Afra comics, number 22. I haven't gotten that far, I don't think. Because Dr. Afra like a... She's basically Lady Indiana Jones in Star Wars. I feel right. like that's kind of yeah. what they're going for. She's like yeah. an archaeologist of droids and old cultures, but she had some information that they wanted out of her, so they tortured her with a boar—not boar gullet, boar ifrium, or something like that.
0: Right? They're almost in appearance. They're almost like Lovecraftian. Mm. Like they have no yeah structure to them. They're just masses of goo well, covered bad. in tentacles.
2: That that would fit in with the potential to lose one's mind from an right. encounter with mm-hmm. one. It's that's, that's a very common Lovecraftian uh, trope.
1: That's a good... I w- you know what? I really want to know now if that was where they were going with it. Because that's an excellent point. Hmm. Yeah, Driving you to madness and right. having a lot of tentacles. <laughs> it's pretty much every Lovecraft book. <laughs> and it's like a mini Cthulhu. Yeah,
0: pretty show. much. Yeah. And um, that creature, even though it was hideous looking and just disgusting, it was practical. There wasn't a lot of CGI with Borgullet. It was uh, sculpted at full size, which had never really been done before Rogue One, and it was uh, made up of two and a half tons of silicone. What?
2: Yeah, I can't believe that they actually built that thing. Yeah, I didn't.
0: I didn't realize that's that. nuts.
2: Where Where is it now?
1: Good question. <laughs> Where is it?
0: And um, it took fifteen people to operate that puppet,
1: one for each tentacle.
0: And and like you guys said, it was only on screen for less than a minute.
1: Yeah, it was a weird scene too. I remember, like, first time watching that, I was like, why? Where is? What is this going on?" <laughs> well, now with
2: all the all behind the scenes drama of that movie, you never know if it maybe had a more prominent yeah. part before they did all the reshoots
1: and stuff. Yeah. Could be.
3: I feel like. They were like, "How many people did it take to uh, to operate Jabba the Hut?" Three. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do better.
0: We're gonna do five <laughs> times better.
1: We're gonna set a new Star Wars record for people in a in a <laughs> puppet thing.
0: And I, I guess it did have an important role because it got the um,
1: story out of was oh, that Bodhi Rook?
2: Yeah, yeah. First
1: saw. Yeah, saw. did it though. <laughs> did it. <laughs> Cause he still, when Jin Urso shows up later on and like tells her story, he still doesn't believe her. It's like, well, wait a minute, what was Borgullet for? If you didn't, you didn't even believe what you saw. Well, right? I he think- saw was
0: kind
2: of gone at that point. His his mind. Yeah, 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 I think it's
0: he had a little bit too many sessions with Borgullet. <laughs> <laughs> He's hitting the Borgullet too hard.
3: <laughs> Would he have killed Bodhi though, if it wasn't for Borgullet? And then if we. If we if we follow this train of thought, okay, here, okay. all right, yep. then he's not there on the Rogue One mission to call for help before the shuttle explodes and and call the rest of the rebels, and so yeah, ultimately they never get the plans, and Death Star doesn't get destroyed.
0: So what you're saying is Borg Gullet is actually the reason why they got the Death Star plans. So Borg that's exactly Gullet, what he's saying. Yes. So, so that's Borg exactly what I'm saying. Is yeah. the hero of the rebellion. He's the chosen he's one. He's the hero
3: we deserve.
1: That's it. I also love the fact it's uh, they make it very clear that bor gullet is what's the line is known to drive one to madness or, or whatever <laughs> to lose one's and mind, that, mind. And Body Rook he's like a bumbling fool in his cell after that, but thankfully, you snap right out of it if somebody just says your occupation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you it's snap like, out of it. P- pilot. Oh, oh, thank you, jeez. Everything's clear <laughs> now. I forgot I was a pilot. <laughs>
0: I thought it was the janitor. That was his wake-up word from his uh, being put under.
1: We should probably move on to Jawas because this is going to take uh, <laughs> a full hour.
0: Okay. You know what? Speaking of Jawas- <laughs>
1: insignificant creatures.
0: <laughs> oh, listen. Jawas have to be the most impactful species in Star Wars.
3: Okay, I really want to hear this okay. because I right. really have a hard time believing that we're so, ignoring
1: the fact that humans are a species and stuff. <laughs> <but> go on, <laughs> right.
0: right? Okay. Three PO and R two, they escape from the Empire. R two is carrying the Death Star plans as well as the message to Obi Wan from Leia. The stormtroopers know that they landed on Tatooine, and they sent and they're coming down to find them. But had the Jawas not taken three PO? and R2, then the stormtroopers would have found R2 and 3PO. They would have recovered the Death Star plans. Luke would have never gotten the droids, so he would have never met Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan would have never gotten the message, so he would never have known what was going on with the Death Star. Okay, but is
1: it possible possible that R2-D2 knew what he was doing? When he was when he was going off on his own, is it possible he was he was like he could have been he could have been just mere feet away from Obi Wan's hut.
0: He could have been, but at the same time, the stormtroopers were riding dewbacks, which are much faster than astromech and sand.
2: Or he knew that he would have encountered Jawas that other way too. It's possible. Uh, It's possible. But even (laughs)
3: still, so I would I would say it definitely feels like they are maybe driven by the Force in some way because. I mean, you, you have that whole thing, but then you also have them making Din uh, go after the Mudhorn and find out about the child's powers. And that was kind of a big deal, too. So After they try to kill him. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. but well, That's yeah. a good point.
1: I think The, I mean, wo- the force works in mysterious ways. Yeah, every, okay. the, You can say that about everything in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but but that's didn't... part of what makes it fun. That's probably, I think that's part of the reason why we love it. The Jawas you know, weren't going
0: to, to try to kill Din. They were defending themselves because he just started opening fire on them because they were stealing parts of his well, ship. Well, yeah, what
2: did they think was going to happen?
0: They were going to get parts of a ship to sell.
1: <laughs> that is a good point, though. So let's say the Jawas didn't strip the Razor Crest. Din takes the child straight to the ship, goes and drops him off, collects his bounty, without the connection they made when, when, when Grogu saved his life, would he have right. felt the need to rescue him? Right. Uh, I,
3: I think he wouldn't have had that same connection.
1: Oh, so, man. I so feel so like now I you kind agree with Ben. That no.
0: Actually very important to the Star Wasn't Wars universe. Wasn't supposed to go this <laughs> way. <laughs> and I now have vindication. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alright, so should we talk about Jao's in general a little bit?
1: I feel like everybody's everybody, it's gotta know Jawas because they—they are probably the most. They're,
0: I think they're the most prolific, seen, the most seen species in Star Wars. I mean, they're in uh, *Phantom Menace*, *Attack of the Clones*, *New Hope*, uh, *Return of the Jedi*, um, *Rise of Skywalker*. At the very end, they're in every single comic that involves Tatooine. They're in *The Clone Wars*. I mean, they, you have both uh, uh, Tatooine Jawas and off-world Jawas that appeared in. Episodes 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 12 of The Mandalorian. So, I mean...
1: Up to that point, Jawas were only on Tatooine, though, right? Like, that was a...
0: Yeah. Um, in a lot in of, Canada, in yeah. Disney Canada. Yeah, in Disney yeah. canon,
1: I'm sure primarily. there was all kinds of expanded stuff where they were, you know, all over the place. But
0: Yeah, Hoth, actually. So, so uh-huh. do you think they have
3: their own ships, or they... Like Charger Flights to get off world. I would say
0: Charger Flights. And which
3: world did they originate from?
0: Probably Tatooine. If, if Star Wars canon is referring them as Jawas and off-world Jawas, I have a feeling they originated from Tatooine.
1: Yeah, good point. That would make sense. With their monkey paws. Yeah. It could be Ewoks under there. You don't know.
0: That's true.
3: How do they do the eyes? Like the behind the scenes?
0: So it was mostly, most Jawas were children um except for a couple that were full-sized adults and you could kind of see that in a new hope um so they kind of they said that there's some jawas that exceed the height of normal jawas but the oh. um the eyes were primarily black stockings wrapped around um the the kids faces with just flashlight light bulbs stuck in there so pretty much what you what you can imagine is how they did it.
2: Yeah. So it's not like 15 cats or something inside of the- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's two cats standing on top of each other in a trench coat.
1: It's a miniature Borgullet. A- <laughs> it, it took them 20 years to train those cats.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're also known, of course, for smelling awful. Yes. It's another another Jawa trait.
0: Yep. Yeah, because that's actually how they communicate, because there's two different languages. They there's-
1: communicate by smelling each
3: other? They
0: communicate by... St- by stink pretty much between all of them
1: <laughs> so do oh. Tauntauns, actually so they have part of the reason they have four nostrils and they interesting, um,
0: and then the Jawa language itself is actually created by them because they're traders, so you know you can't communicate with another being through smell, you have to do something, so they created their own language
1: Wow, interesting
0: which um, if we <laughs> want to talk about species and their languages, we can uh yeah. Talk Let's about throw
1: a prequel, a prequel species.
0: We could talk about Gungans.
1: <laughs> yeah, Gungans. Gungans. That's actually a, a, a famous George Lucas mispronunciation.
3: They all join forces and everything, and the Gungas battle the droids in this huge kind
2: of war. Oh, okay. uh-huh.
1: that you're referring to. Um,
2: their language is kind of based off how his child talked when he was. Oh, like baby
1: talk. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Wait, is that true? Yeah. Oh, interesting. My warning, Ruse, Gungan's no like in Outlanders. You should go into the boss nas nice and make nice.
0: That's how his his
2: kid
1: must have specked. <laughs> <laughs> Speck forty. Yeah. So they first appeared in Phantom Menace. Obviously, Jar Jar Binks, the most famous of all Gungans, and uh, and you see him you see him throughout like the Clone Wars and stuff, but not not much after that. They get a lot of mentions in books and whatnot, but it's mostly the prequel era stuff. Yeah which
0: I mean I understand there was a big um outcry when they came out a lot of people did not like them
1: yeah to the to the point where when uh, episode 2 was a work in progress George Lucas gave it the working title of jar jar's big adventure <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I mean there was there was websites made that were like that was like jarjar must die.com it, it was pretty bad for the uh, for the Gungans after that movie but now they seem to be liked a lot more.
2: Everybody. These things always go. Yeah, yeah they're they yeah. a cool design. I like the way they look.
1: I don't understand the whole problem. And again, we've talked. We when we talk about Phantom Menace, like the CGI there, it holds up. Like it's it was way ahead of its time.
3: Yeah, the whole underwater city thing was was is still really good. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And, it was
3: and the, the battle with the
1: shields. It was very Star Yeah, their Wars. technology is really cool. The, yeah. yeah. It's different, you know?
3: Also seems to be strangely suited to destroying droids
1: because of those... Mechaniques. The boomers. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Boomers. They said no like of the mechanics but yeah. you got to remember <laughs> yeah.
3: that. Yes, maybe. Okay. I, could, I, I see that now, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I, you know, Jar Jar, yeah, he was a bumbling idiot in Phantom Menace, but... There were some Gungans later on throughout canon that were actually pretty bad. Like, um, yeah. Captain Captain Tarpals mm-hmm. actually took out General Grievous. Oh yeah, that was in that Clone Wars really? episode. Yeah.
1: Well, that obviously not oh. permanently, but he like stunned right. him with uh, one of their famous anti droid weapons. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that episode because it's it's a uh, season four episode four of the Clone Wars. It's called Shadow Warrior. Uh, where basically there's there's a new boss on Naboo, and he happens to look an awful lot like Jar Jar Binks. So it's the, the title of the episode Shadow Warrior actually comes from a, a Kurosawa movie. I think it's Kagamusha, which has a similar plot where there's a guy who looks just like the emperor or whatever, the shogun. Hmm. It was clever because, as most people probably know, George Lucas was heavily inspired by Kurosawa movies and uh, like yeah. Hidden Hidden Fortress. And- he was yeah. never going to back down from the jar jar hate not entirely he's never going to give in but i think he did he'd certainly he
0: mellowed the character
1: out a little bit oh he gave up on
3: on making him the ultimate sith right because that was that was what he was going to be hasn't been decided
0: i mean mean, (laughs) that's that one theory let's be honest the gungans played a pretty pivotal role in the galaxy as well like everything else they helped fight the trade federation in the very beginning so that the naboo resistance can go and Retake the yeah, I, had to,
3: I had to think about and then, I had to think about that one for a minute because I was like, did did that really make a difference? Because it was Anakin who shut off down all the droids. But then I thought about it, and I was like,
0: well, they lured him away from the yeah, capital.
3: Pe- yeah, they distracted right. him so that they could actually get in and capture right. uh, New Gunray. So yeah, it was, so yeah, it was it was pretty pivotal.
0: And they were ready to lay down their lives. I mean, at that point, when they knew they were they lost, they were, you know. They didn't turn tail and run because they knew that they needed to keep the droids yeah. away from Thede for that long so now, that they could retake it.
2: About that. We <laughs> only see one type of Gungans in the actual fight. The the ones that look like Jar Jar, right? I don't think we see any of the other ones. I
1: thought the same thing. Like the Boss thing.
2: Nass looking ones in the fight. You know, they're all yeah, back appar- in the city.
1: Yeah, apparently there's... There's two races of Gungans, which makes sense because they look so different. Like Jar Jar has those really long, tall eyes and the floppy ears, whereas Boss Nass is called an Ankura.
2: It's more and like a frog.
1: Yeah, they're shorter, froggier, yeah. um, with like a stout face or like a short face instead of uh, instead of the long bill. I guess
2: they're more like the upper class. And, the,
1: and I guess they're fewer, too. Yeah, it seems like they're like the leadership or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I guess this is an interesting decision from George Lucas to make. Hiding in their ivory tower. Yeah, right.
0: It's possible that they could have been the ones riding on those Fambas, those big things that were generating the shield. Mm. Because you couldn't really see those.
2: Starting up the shield.
0: But, um, (laughs) I mean, they're not as terrible as most people thought. They're really not. Um, I think they got better over time. And um, it's good to see the uh, actor who played Jar Jar coming back to do some Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I don't remember if I I always felt bad for yeah, him I don't remember
1: if I said this when we talked Phantom Menace but one thing you can definitely say about Ahmed Best is no one else can do Jar Jar like he does there's a couple episodes in the Clone Wars where it's another guy <laughs> I think it's that <laughs> guy from Mad TV what's his name? He's a, it was it really, Phil Lamar? Phil Lamar, yeah, yeah, yeah he's a oh, okay. really prolific voice actor but he cannot do Jar Jar Binks and I don't think anybody can really do it as well as, like, n- not even close they can't hold a candle to Ahmed Best he just like mm-hmm. he just is Jar Jar. I He's mean, the best. Love it or hate it, <laughs> yeah. it all. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I mean, he he definitely deserves a lot of credit. And uh, I think I mentioned this in the memories episode, but he was he was getting a lot of uh, applause at. Star Wars celebration in 2019 when he was there, so that was that
2: was good to see. Yeah,
1: and he came back for that uh, that game show Jedi Trials on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I watched yeah. the first episode of that, but I should check the yeah. rest of it out. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. My kids are into it. Should get back to it.
0: And um, he he's listed on IMDb, so take that with a grain of salt for the Obi wan TV
1: series. I, I did just recently see that too, but interesting.
0: <laughs> Probably
1: flashbacks maybe, I'm thinking.
3: Well, what what happens to the Gungans after the well, Empire they're, starts?
0: They're still there because at the end of Return of the Jedi, with all those scenes that were added, um, after the Emperor is destroyed, you can see them uh, at the top of the uh, one of the buildings in Theed and one of them shouts, "We suffer free. Oh,
1: <laughs> interesting. Okay. That's right. Yeah, they added it uh, to the DVD. Yeah, or I think so. Yeah, one thing I did read about, Jar Jar in particular. Well, I think most Gungans never leave the planet of Naboo. Like it's they they really like keep to themselves. I think they still stay kind of secretive. So probably after the Clone Wars, they don't really have a huge role in galactic events. But I do remember in the aftermath trilogy, Jar Jar goes on to be like a like a like a street performer, clown kind of doing like juggling tricks and stuff for children. That makes sense. Which is kind of yeah. sad. No, it's not sad. It's... <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. But...
2: He wasn't certainly not cut out for the. Politics part after he started the whole war, basically. But <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, anyway, well, never forget. I mean, it could be argued that he finished it because it was what uh, generated the clone army, which ultimately became the empire. So
1: yeah.
2: Boring conversation. Anyway.
0: So yeah. So um, I think. We've definitely scratched the surface of um, creatures and races of Star Wars, and I'm sure we'll double back and do some more. Uh, maybe even touch up on some of the ones we talked about before. Maybe maybe there'll be more Borgullets down the line that we can talk about.
1: Uh. Yeah, we could do a lot of these. They're, I mean, creatures is one of the things that makes Star Wars Star Wars, I think, all the different unique. It, honestly, it's what makes it sci-fi, because a lot of it is really like magic and fantasy when you get down to it, but... It's all these alien species that really make it feel, you know, distinctly science fiction-y, I think, in a lot of ways.
3: All part of magic.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So um, what do we got in store for us
1: next week? Right, so next week we are continuing our journey through the Saga films with Revenge of the Sith. I'm excited about this one. I haven't watched it in a while.
2: Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, And don't forget, if you'd like to reach out to us with any ideas, feedback, just to say hi... Find us at w o r r t s Worts and all at Gmail, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. There's a Discord invite in the show notes, and uh, we'd love to hear from you.
3: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a close. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, George
0: Lucas would be proud.
3: You're <laughs> going <laughs>